fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> What's up? This is Sharks Across Hollywood. I'm Andrew and the Rosencrantz to my Guildenstern all the way across the fucking <laughs> some some road somewhere. The Reverend Samuel Mance over there. Hello, everybody. I can't just keep on using Wayne and Garth the whole time, so I need to come up with other other partners. <laughs> I love it. And I realized I'm like, I can't use Jay and Silent Bob because that just doesn't work because we're both loud and obnoxious. But hey, it's, it's, it's a new week and we're going to do something super fucking weird. This movie might be a little hard to talk about, but I don't know. We haven't talked about it yet, so let's see what happens. We're going to talk about Us, Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out, which is a great movie, and this one I think is a pretty good movie. I disagree. I think this is an equally great movie. I understand that this doesn't have the popular appeal of Get Out, so in that sense, I recognize it is a slightly lesser movie just because not as many people are going to connect with it, but for me personally, this is my preferred movie. Oh, really? You, you, you'd watch this before Get Out? Yes. Oh, and nice. I say that as someone who adores Get Out and thinks a, that Get Out out is a perfect movie it really is i don't think there's a wrong answer there for sure no i mean i would happily recommend either of these to anybody and if you don't like it then i'm like well that's on you you know i'm, I'm not <laughs> right. gonna give anybody shit about it but i don't feel the least bit bad about recommending it to literally anybody this movie got a lot of shit when it came out like a lot i'm like well i i, I don't i don't really get it well hit me with some of the shit like fling a little at me so i can know what we're talking about well i guess it's i guess it's more of the same like everybody's like Get Out's not a horror movie and everybody's like this movie's not scary it's just fuck not. you and then everybody's like it's not a good movie and it's all these pretentious film dorks who think they know what they're talking about they're the people who keep on going to see Adam Sandler movies thinking they're that they're really funny you know oh my god <laughs> That's just that's just who I assume. Or or the people who are like, I majored in film studies and I will only watch Criterion films or whatever. Oh yeah. The people who think genre is a bad word. Yeah, and I'm like, this movie's kinda awesome. Especially watching it two times, like right in a row almost. You start to pick it up a little bit. <laughs> I felt it the first time I saw it. I Because I walked into this movie the first time I watched it knowing literally nothing about it. I knew it was titled Us. I knew Jordan Peele had written and directed it. And I had seen the poster and that is it. I had not listened to anybody talk about it. I had made sure to tell all my friends who had seen it not to talk to me about it. Well, granted, I won't say all my friends who had seen it. I said, I'd say all my friends I would tell not to talk, not to talk to me about it because I didn't want to have anything spoiled because I already knew I was going to be there as soon as I could. I would say opening day, but I haven't been to something on opening day since the 90s. I'm a fucking adult. But, you know, I mean, you remember, I, I think I probably told you. you well, know, I don't remember tell me anything. About I remember because I watched the trailer and I'm like oh shit remember because I told you I watched the trailer the day it came out and I watched it with Rachel and she doesn't like scary movies and I didn't realize the trailer is fucking scarier than the movie like you know I've still never seen the trailer you should check out the trailer because I'm like well now seeing the movie so many times it'll probably be nothing because we know exactly what's going on but the trailer was right. super creepy and I look at Rachel after it's over and I'm like I am so fucking sorry I didn't know <laughs> that it was gonna be like that but and I remember that woman puts up with your shit. Man. I know. I remember us talking later on, and you're like, "Don't fucking tell, don't tell me, don't tell me." So what did I? I told you something like it's fucking scary or something, something like that. Or I yeah. said something. I said like people die. And you're like, yeah, you said you said something. <laughs> if I recall correctly, you said something innocuous, but you built it up like you were about to spoil. Shit <laughs> yes, for me. yes, because I'm a dick. Because you're a dick, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, but you and I can agree that this is a pretty great movie, and I hope I'm hoping like hell next summer. Jordan Peele, you know, hits a hits a triple with another great movie because that he he's working on it now and it's supposed to come out yeah. next summer. I heard he's got something in the works. I don't know anything about it and honestly don't want to other than the title. All I know, I know like the concept. It's supposed to be a monster movie. That's all I know about it. I'm cool with that. I'd love to see Jordan Peele tackle a monster. Yeah, movie. it's going to be real interesting. Oh, and then there's also the people he cast a white guy next to a black guy and everybody's like, I thought he wasn't going to cast white people. I'm like, that's not what he said no he never said he wasn't going to cast white people he said he was only going to make movies where he could cast a black lead right yeah isn't that what he said yeah ba- that's yeah. basically it how does that affect you at all if you were making shitty movies i'd say maybe you have a point like if you were casting things wrong sure maybe but he's cast everything right and literally every single character down to the incidental characters who don't even get a name in the credits are fucking perfect for the roles they play so the man has made no missteps so far so fuck you if you've got a problem with who he casts do we want to do the thing where where we make fun of people for being wrong about about re- movie reviews because I just realized I'm on IMDb and I could just look at all the people reviewing movies here. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have to do at least a couple of them. Let's start with a really good... I don't know if it's really good. I'm just going to read some random ones just for the low ratings. Uh, this one got a 1 out of 10. Yeah, 1 okay, out of 10. Okay, right, right there. <laughs> Anything this person has to say is going to be invalid. Awful is the title. So, in all caps, it's the worst thing I've seen this year. No story. What? All this movie wants you to do... <laughs> is go on the internet afterwards and read the 75 million different theories people have about it. Also, to call this... Oh, here we go. To call this a horror movie is comical. Dumbest movie I've seen in a while. That is a big complaint that I get with, like, every horror movie I've ever liked. People are like, it's not scary. I'm like, well, it's scary to somebody. Yeah, these are the same people who said Devil's Rejects wasn't a horror movie. I'm sorry. Fuck off. Um, You're wrong. That movie's fucking terrifying in a lot of ways. Yeah, what fucking universe do you live in where this shit isn't scary? Us is super scary, dude. I, like... Like it's it had me on the edge. I know how it ends. I know where everything goes. I know that literally no one in the family <laughs> dies, and still I'm on the edge of my seat. That's a the nice whole time I'm watching. That's it. kind of a nice swerve, though. You they're the only ones who make it, but everybody else just gets fucked up. That's kind of peels middle finger to the whole uh, black guy dies first thing. Uh, how about another one? A one out of ten review. It says warning spoilers. By the way, title is so stupid. Started off good until the doppelganger started talking. I felt like they they tired way too hard. I. Th- pretty sure that person meant tried way too hard for it to be scary the music they chose was scary but didn't match the movie uh i disagree the doppelganger's son acting like a dog was just plain stupid not scary at all the plot made zero sense there was no point to this movie i was literally laughing because it was so stupid and not scary at all now that to me sounds like somebody who was laughing because they were scared Well, I mean, okay, I will say this for that that they bring up something that I would have criticized a little bit myself. And this is a very light criticism, and that is when Red starts talking, it's a little off-putting. Like it does break the tension just a little bit. But here's the thing that makes me not feel like it was the wrong decision. On a first viewing, it does break the tension a little bit. The first time I watched it when she started talking, it broke the tension for me a little bit. You know, so that is a negative thing. But the reason I think he had her talk like that can only be understood upon a rewatch yes well which is when you go into it knowing how it ends the whole dynamic shifts and you realize oh the reason she talks is because she isn't one of them but at the same time the reason she talks like that is because she hasn't talked since she was like 10 years old well and i get the impression that uh she you know addy i guess addy is the one who was originally underground grabs her throat too and crushes i like i figured she crushed something 
like her larynx or something. Well, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's necessarily that. I think it's mostly just that she hasn't talked because that because more than likely living in that society, any kind of aberration would make you a target, you know? Well, yeah, but she is she is special though. Yeah, but that only came out later that didn't come out immediately and then consequently there's no point talking to people who can't talk back to you she had to communicate with them in their way and she became she effectively became one of them and so my guess would be that she hasn't talked in probably you know two decades i mean there there is definitely that but she definitely gets her throat crushed oh i i might have missed that i i'm not sure but having said that yes it does break the tension a little bit so i understand why a person who was not already on board at that point that would be the thing that kind of was like the straw that broke the camel's back because if you're already not engaging with the movie at that point that is probably going to take you out of it completely i feel sorry for you but ultimately you know it's one of those situations where you're either on board with this movie or you're not on board with this movie and not everybody's going to like it and i think that's a good thing i think if everybody likes a movie it's probably ultimately not very good this movie is great and greatness comes with of necessity alienating certain people you know some people are simply not going to connect with it you know i mean hey and honestly i'm not even saying I'm not even saying fuck them. I'm saying just understand that not everything has to be for you. This movie is not for you. If it, you know, if if you got to that point and just totally disconnected, honestly, you probably should have just walked out of the theater at that point and gotten your money back. You know, because yeah, the movie's not for you. Horror movies are going to be alienating like that, especially horror movies. And they should be. Otherwise, what's scary about it if everybody can just sit there and be okay with it? Yeah, really. <laughs> like if it's not upsetting you a little bit, it's probably not a good horror movie at all. Yeah, and I mean. Granted, my kids sat and watched this twice with me. I'm, I'm very curious <laughs> about how they took it. What did they have to say about it? The first night we watched it upstairs on our big TV in the living room, and Bonnie was paying way more attention to it than Lydia. Bonnie was doing her nope, 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 nope thing. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't, it didn't get too fun. But then, like you can tell, yesterday when I was trying, I was trying to watch it and take notes and stuff. Lydia would not stop talking, so she was like trying to diffuse her own fear, like she was oh, nervous, yeah. and but she would not stop talking. Talking. It was so funny. I'm like, I'm like Lydia. Shh, shh. It's fine. And then <laughs> we wake up both nights, both mornings. We, I woke up and I'm like, how'd you guys sleep? And Lydia's like, I hid under the blanket. <laughs> But they slept now, okay, so it was fine. But Now, I, w- I just want to make sure I'm remembering this correctly. Lydia's been the one who's been on board with the horror movies mostly, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, I just want to make sure I was remembering that correctly. Seeing this movie through the eyes of a kid, yeah, I would very much enjoy getting a glimpse at that, a glimpse at it from that angle. Really, just, though, as scary as this movie is, I think this is one of those that could be considered a beginner horror movie because it's scary, but it's not like, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to traumatize anybody. It, it's, yeah, it's scary I'm, enough like to keep people afraid, but it's also just at that level where kids can be like, I can handle this. I mean, it's definitely got some shocking things in it. Some of the violence is, you know, it, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty intense for a beginner level. Now, that That's the only thing I would say, because nowadays everything's a goddamn heightened. A perfect example is that scene in the Child's Play remake where all the kids are sitting around and just laughing their ass off to Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> part two. Part two. It's got to be part two. Which is fucking insane that movie is insane and it is funny you know like it's definitely got a great sense of humor but at the same time they're laughing their asses off to like the most heinous shit in that movie so of course Chucky's going to completely completely misinterpret that as them loving violence (laughs) 
you know so but like that's kind of where we're at and from that perspective this is definitely not on that sort of a level no you know it this would only be considered intense to like a, a horror beginner in terms of the effect the violence would have on your mind you know? yeah and i i always make sure i'm like you it, it's fake it's not real because they had that question like are they are they real i'm like i'm i'm, I'm guessing probably not <laughs> that is the interesting thing about kids is you know you forget that at that age the brains are still pretty malleable they're ready to accept just about anything if it comes from an authority they respect i mean, I, mean, I didn't want to go like conspiracy theory and like i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to be careful with that shit like it's funny to you but because <laughs> because who knows what's in those tunnels we need to we need to break into the actual movie because i do have some not really problems with it but stuff that i'm just gonna i'm gonna rip into because i don't really fucking understand it okay we're gonna start from the beginning all right because you know how we always talk about setup and payoff this movie is full of that and i you know it's not something i really paid much attention to until i watched it for the show because i'm like oh shit that's a thing that's a thing that they're that they're setting up the very first thing you see well i guess not the very first thing the very first thing you Um, see is opening text yes uh, about tunnels under america and there's miles and miles of these tunnels and nobody really knows what they're used for or whatever thousands of miles thousands of miles yes then hands across america i remember hearing about this when i was a kid i think i was watching like i love the 80s on vh1 or something and they were Uh talking about it so that's a big thing and hands across america of course is that thing where they're trying to end hunger by having everybody hold hands and try to try to spread it across the entire country and i don't think it worked that well i don't really know how far they got but (laughs) yeah if i recall correctly they didn't make it all the way across but uh in any case even if they did i still hear there are hungry people i could be wrong about that it's just what i've heard haven't checked the sources so fuck you hands across america yeah fuck them and (laughs) and also there's a bunch of movies that like there's when when it zooms in on the tv you see all these vhs tapes and they all hint at everything that's going on because there's the goonies and she makes a reference later on in the movie she says it's our time it's our time up there and then and then chud uh, obviously cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers oh yes and those are the two that really jumped out at me and i can't remember the rest because uh the other one is the man with two brains starring steve martin that makes sense and and then there's uh there's a fourth tape i think it says um thursday night on it like it's a home it's a home video just says thursday night well that's or maybe thursday evening something like that that's got to mean something because everything in this movie does i don't doubt it i was only finally able to catch what it meant right at the end just as the camera got close enough to pass it i was finally able to catch what it meant and by then it's like well i'm i'm watching the movie i'm not gonna sit down and just take exhaustive notes (laughs) that's why i'm I'm saving that for friday the 13th by god if i'm gonna work for it i'm gonna get paid for it (laughs) after that we cut to cut to santa cruz in it's in 86 they make a great comment there's a nice little easter egg they're shooting a movie over by the carousel we should go see what's going on oh yep okay lost boys i get it oh yes one of <laughs> that was my introduction to horror which i believe i've said on the show before was the lost boys and mine was child's play both very <laughs> very much very much appropriate and look where we're at now good lord <laughs> Um, and it's it's Addie's birthday and her dad's like throwing doing the baseball to break the bottle thing those shitty dumb fucking carnival games was it her birthday yeah yeah. oh I missed that part the carnival guy's like oh you got a got a good pitch and and then the guy's like yeah I missed my chance to go pro tee hee hee and like he's just trying to get you to spend more money shut up (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously and he he wins Addie a thriller shirt because this is the fucking 80s and Michael Jackson wasn't the creepy weirdo that he eventually becomes thriller was everything 
back in the mid eighties. The mom's like, Oh shit, that's going to give her nightmares. Why do you do that? Why do you, why do you, and he's like, I'm in trouble for winning. You can tell this, this relationship isn't great. That was totally a conversation that my mom and stepdad probably had multiple times. Maybe <laughs> my mom and dad too. My mom was constantly trying to protect me from being afraid of things. And I don't think she realized that in her efforts to protect me, she was basically making scary shit. This like object of obsession to me. Yeah. That you know, sounds so right. Consequently, here we are, you know, and I have the biggest collection of fucked up horror of anybody I know, except maybe you. And I'm the opposite. My mom, my dad kind of did, but my mom never really, she, she's the one who's like, here, here, let's rent Terminator 2 again. You can watch this over and over again forever. <laughs> and here, child's play. We watch it together and she's like, oh, you better watch something funny now. I'm going to bed. Bye. <laughs> Because oh, that's, that's, awesome. that's what my childhood was like. Oh man, the mom's like, "Hey, I have to, I have to go pee." Addy, come with me, and she's like, "I don't want to go." But the dad's like, "I'm gonna play whack a mole." A weird key impression. I don't think it really was, but he reminds me of you know Key from Key and Peel when he's like two tickets doing the ticket oh. ticker thing. <laughs> I didn't even think about that until you just now said it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I can see it now. I think it reminds me of him because in that movie uh, that he he was an improv comic guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's called Don't Think Twice. Yes, that's what it is. He there. There's a bit in there where he creates a character that's an old timey ticket taker. <laughs> And that, yeah, uh, that's immediately what I thought of. I swear, I probably thought of it the first time I ever watched that, too. But, of course, Dad is kind of neglectful. Not really neglectful, but he has a hard time fucking focusing. She's well, like, he's also drunk as shit. Like, he's, uh, yeah. he's wobbly on his feet. He's clearly been drinking a lot tonight. Yeah, it's, it's, a uh, and he, oh, and she, yeah, he's like, I need another beer. And she's like, he's like, I fucking, what, I can't have a beer? And yeah, you're right. Clearly, he's had a few. Yeah, this is not his first drink. <laughs> I like his laser focus method of whack-a-mole where he just chooses one hole and just bap, 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 <laughs> that one hole. <laughs> I know. Oh, yes. I noticed that. And eat Must the be great hole. in bed, huh? Well, there's, there's at least two holes you can hit, so... So he's very clearly paying attention, and Addie, of course, goes like, I'm just gonna walk away because... Fucking kids, man. Because fucking kids. I mean, I kind of I kind of have a theory about why she walks away, and I think it's it, it might be right, but I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get there, but... I'm curious. She uh she wanders off to the beach, and she, pa- she walks past that guy, this creepy motherfucker, holding this sign that says Jeremiah 1111, which is, you know, obviously a Bible reference. Did you read Jeremiah 1111? Um, I have it pulled up here the king james version so i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out there therefore thus saith the lord behold i will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape and though they shall cry unto me i will not hearken unto them that's fun so little doom and gloom right off the bat i mean you know basically setting up everything that's gonna happen god sounds like a cool guy <laughs> old testament god did some <laughs> fucked up shit um and i made a note lydia and bonnie were both very very upset that Addie dropped her candy apple in the sand before going into the mere maze place <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can see that. The kid in me uh, died a little on the inside when I saw that. Yeah, right? I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, but whatever. Again, it all has to do with with why she's going there in the first place. <laughs> she goes into this into this vision quest mirror maze. I fucking hate mirror mazes. They drive me nuts. That That is probably the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> Because every time I every time oh, yeah, I would go yeah. into a thing like that, I'm like, oh, I'm never getting out of here. I'm not going to say it was the most upsetting or frightening part of the movie, but those things are definitely creepy as shit. Yeah, it's pretty 
unsettling. Uh, she whistles Itsy Bitsy Spider, I imagine, to just kind of dull her nerves a little bit. But then she hears another whistle, like a little echo. Weird. And then what happens? She goes for the exit sign, of course, and it's not really the exit sign. It's the fucking mirror, which is why they scare me, because I, yeah, I'd be trapped in there forever. <laughs> and then, of course, she backs into the mirror, and then she turns around, and then her reflection turns around, and then it cuts to bunny rabbits, because that's what you need. You need bunny rabbits. Jordan Peele's like, hmm, what's the most comforting thing <laughs> I can show people right now and make it fucking terrifying? Bunny rabbits! That choir, like, score they have going is eerie, and it sets yes, the tone, it and it is very scary. <laughs> that's like, that's why I'm saying, you know, like, he took bunny rabbits and made them scary with that music. Yeah, and that music does not come back a lot, but every time it does, it's like, yeah. Was there a lot of music in this movie? Uh, you know, I guess I wasn't really focusing on the music. I think it's because the movie sucks me in so much that I I start failing to notice the individual parts and just get caught up in the hole. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I completely understand that. That's why I'm at, that's why I was asking. I was wondering if you noticed, because I'm like, it seems And like, honestly, yeah. I think that's a big part of the reason why I prefer this movie to Get Out, because as, as really perfect as Get Out is, when I'm watching Get Out, I do become very consciously aware of what i'm watching you know I, I will start visually dissecting scenes and stuff because the filmmaking is really genuinely impressive in get out and it's not that the story isn't engaging it's very engaging but this story just engages me on a deeper level i guess you know that so that's just a personal thing well and i but, can kind of see it because you and i are obviously not black so i don't think we'd really have anything to be afraid of in a get out situation yeah that might be <laughs> that might be a big part of it you know uh yeah because like I can't relate to the main character's predicament at all. But this this story is really told from a perspective that literally anybody can relate to this, I think. This this is so universal. I just immediately get sucked right in. Kid at the fair with mom and dad, you know, going into a creepy place, getting lost. That's a universal fear. None of that stuff is specific to any one race's experience or any one people group's experience. That's everybody. Maybe that's a big part of why I love this movie so much more than Get Out is because it's so universal that I can 100% put myself into this. Whereas, like you said, you know, in Get Out, as as perfect as that movie is, it is not my experience in any way, shape, or form, obviously. No, being fat bearded and white, nobody's going to want to jump into our bodies. So Exactly. <laughs> Nobody gives shit one about this body. Let me tell you, ladies. I love watching these movies. He's so good. I just, oh, I hope, I bet it's going to be. I just want it. I want that third movie to be good. Oh yeah, no. If he if he does that, if he manages, what do they call it? A hat trick? When uh, you do all three? Yeah, hat trick or turkey in bowling or a trifecta. Yeah, if he manages it, he will be all time legendary director after only three films. If he maintains the quality level through three movies, one after another after another, all time great director. Let's hope he doesn't Shyamalan it up here soon. I don't put it past him because I have seen Keanu. As much as I did enjoy that movie, I can't defend it. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I, yeah, I remember. It's fun, but it is not good. Ah, well, that that makes sense. Because they, they just wrote that, right? They Obviously, he didn't direct it, but... Yeah, I don't, think he, I don't think he directed it. Nope, he has three directing credits right now. There you go. It's these two movies and his upcoming movie. That, that's pretty clean, so we should... Let's, let's keep it that way. Alright, so let's cut to present day 
Addie and her family are going to their cabin because that's what rich people have. I I think it's a family cabin too. I think yeah, it was, it was like, like owned by her dad's. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna steal this and I'm going to use it often because the dad is funny as fuck. But I was watching the honest trailer for this and the dude is like, the dad has B D E right? Should be big dick energy, but no, big dad energy. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty much what he has. So oh, absolutely. Because the, what's the first thing that he does? They pull into the pull into the driveway, and he like looks at the kids and screams, "We're here!" And they wake <laughs> up, and they're like, "Dad, what the fuck? Why?" Oh, he was great. The dude who they the dude who who they cast for him is just fantastic. And it was it it, it was really weird to me, and still is, that Jordan Peele cast someone who is basically doing a Jordan Peele impression. <laughs> the entire movie you know that's pretty funny yeah like almost as if he was like taking himself down a peg with the character you know because as funny as the character is he is very clearly the fool of the movie oh yeah she's funny. the hero oh, she's <laughs> not a, him she's a badass too lupita yeah, nyong'o is. is great i've i've only seen her in two movies okay this and little monsters on hulu same i've only seen those two movies. i haven't seen uh oh excuse me i i also saw black panther she was in that. oh right i saw black panther duh more dad moments though uh the kids get out and they're like there's no internet here and he's like you don't need the internet you have the outer net (laughs) (laughs) oh this dude sounds so much like me it's it's upsetting (laughs) he spends the whole movie just making comments like that even when they're deep in the shit he's like it looks like some kind of fucked up performance art and then zora just (laughs) looks at him Um, this is the character building portion of the movie and I like these fucking characters oh absolutely this is perfect casting these kids are great the whole cast this main cast especially they're perfectly casted people I don't fucking what am I even talking about right now the cast is really good let's move on from that so I can not be dumb anymore Uh, they are though if you look at the casting in this movie everyone is perfect and the cool thing about it is they're not just perfect as the regular characters no they're they're playing two different roles too here yeah they're also perfect as the doppelgangers and that's impressive like because it is a there is a big swing between those two ends of the character you know character building uh they're all just kind of hanging out at the at, at the dinner table eating most of three of them are eating fast food chicken or something and Addie is eating strawberries there's probably a reason for that you can only speculate really but i yeah, I, I have i need to give this uh, movie yeah. more watches before i can begin to have an opinion on food choices like i said <laughs> this movie just sucks me so in with like the atmosphere and the story i'm loving the characters right off the bat i'm connecting with them i'm i can totally see parts of my kids in the kids as well as parts of myself as a kid in the kids i see myself in the dad to a disturbing degree <laughs> so the 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 little boy whose name is fuck i forgot his name his name jason. is jason thank you sorry so, i had to look it up too <laughs> like i said i'm shit with names jason gets up from the table just runs away and they're like mom's like hey uh what the hell are you doing <laughs> and he's like i forgot something of course because kids do that their mind just that immediately is... zips off into whatever direction yeah there is no five minutes from now it is now no and then he comes back with this cheesy little sparky magic trick that never works and i well, it works once yeah it works once and it, it's very <laughs> important I, sh- I told the 
girls, I'm like, well, I have a thing like that. It's my cup lighter from welding. (laughs) And I I showed them how it worked. Uh, So we also get a little bit of backstory about the daughter, whose name is Zora. That's a cool name. Uh, And she's like a runner. And the dad's like, you can be in the Olympics. And she's like, I'm not going to be in the fucking Olympics. But he's like, you should run while we're here. And she's like, I don't want to. You should run on the sand. And he's like, she's like, why? It's like, because if you run on the sand, when you get on wet, you know, it's harder. It's harder. You just want to, because when you get on dry land, you'll just take off. Everything that comes out of this dude's mouth is shit I have said at a dinner table adjacent situation and he's <laughs> like, trying so hard to be encouraging also I know like yeah like he's so relatable oh and then we have then we have the moment where Jason has the magic trick thing and he's, he's not working he's like yeah this thing's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should take a moment to point out in case we have a listener who is making us their first us experience. First off, you're a fucking idiot. Second off, (laughs) we keep throwing curse words into these children's mouths, but this is actually the first time one of them has cursed. Yeah, he literally says, this is bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And dad is like, what? We're swearing at the table now is his his question. I love that question. We cut back to the past again, and we're at a therapist's office, and Addie is there. She apparently hasn't talked since the incident at the carnival, and they're, you know, we don't see the parents' faces, really. They're just kind of in there, and Addie's watching them, and you can hear them talking to the therapist, and she's like, you know, encourage her to draw, to dance, to write, whatever. Anything that will help her express herself and tell her story. The therapist goes, it sounds like she has PTSD, and he's, the dad's like, she wasn't in NOM. (laughs) And we're watching that whole, the interesting thing about that scene is we are watching it all from her memory. And consequently, like you said, we never see the parents' faces. We only see things from her angle or at an angle that is on her. Like we see their faces at the, oh, well, that's actually kind of true, I guess. We see her face, we see their faces at the carnival. But then after that, it it is all blurry and weird. I didn't put that Well, I don't think it's a matter of like obscuring their faces as much as it is like when we're seeing things through her memory, we're really seeing things through through her memory right right so so the only angles we get are angles on her or angles from her so it drives home that feeling of disconnection of being a kid you know i don't know if you remember that but i have a couple of scattered memories of being a kid on the outside of adult conversation but it's about you like i'm right here guys we try not to do that we try to include the kids and if we're going to talk about them we wait until they're gone that's probably a good practice i wish i could say that that was my standard practice but dude I, i didn't have any standard practices when my kids were small it's a learning experience i had rachel to, to i wouldn't be this guy if it wasn't for her i'd be like fuck you kid just stand up brush it off who cares don't be a pussy uh thank god for women specifically who are <laughs> willing to help nudge us in the right direction yeah and like to a certain extent i'm like yeah no just be tougher sometimes but that's not always the yeah the right way i don't do think it. there's anything wrong with having that el- that i think that element is necessary but you know so much of the male experience is just leaning entirely on that side <laughs> right yeah well personality. then i i've i've kind of changed it a little bit when they fall down and they get hurt and they're like oh it hurts i'm like yeah you're you, you're all right you're all right it's cool just stand up brush it off it'll it'll be all right not like be tough be tougher just like it's it's fine it's fine a little yeah, more encouraging I, I think i definitely think there's something to be said for the idea of mirroring calmness in that situation I, th- I think that's important but it's also important to not you know make it an aggressive attack on them you know yeah, like because so many men so many men there is that natural tendency to attack weakness and that's not what a kid needs what a kid needs is just hey this isn't a big deal yeah it's that that's how i was raised you're a boy be tough oh fuck hey you like that girl go pull her hair <laughs> oh geez 
Jesus. Yeah. Yikes. I'm like, yeah. hey, if a boy ever does that to you, he might like you, but you can also punch him in the face. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> it's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with understanding what may be causing that behavior, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying you don't need to coddle that behavior at all. Yeah, let's let's not be dicks about it. Boys will be boys, though. Thanks, every dude ever. Ugh. <laughs> every dude? Oh, dude, that's just that's just everybody of a, of a certain generation. <laughs> that's true. Speaking of boys will be boys, Jason is kind of a shithead, but he's, he's <laughs> he is a normal shithead. He's he kind of disappears in the house and the mom's like, hey, uh, she has she has Zora. She's like, where where's Jason? Kids like Zora's like, I don't know. And Addie says, really? Like it's Zora's responsibility to make sure the brother doesn't run away or some shit. That's how you know they're doing pretty good for themselves. They've got a house that's big enough to just completely lose a kid <laughs> right right and it turns out he's hiding in a cupboard somewhere just so he can scare <laughs> his fucking sister i was watching some scary movie with my son the other day and he was like you know none of that shit would work in your house <laughs> everything squeaks and it's so small that you can see everybody from everywhere so like there's nowhere for the killer to hide what movie were you watching do you remember i do not remember it was probably uh it might have been friday the 13th part two i'm not i'm not 100 sure <laughs> That's funny. It was right around the time when we watched that. So another another foreshadowy moment. Jason runs into the closet after scaring Zora and she she chases him in there and he like kind of he kind of hides in there and he puts this little little ambulance in it to keep the door open because apparently you can't open it from the inside. So she walks yeah. up to it and kicks the ambulance out of the way and the door locks. He's a little bit of a shithead, but she's a little bit of a shithead too. Yeah, like they're it's definitely a sibling rivalry thing. They're yeah, they no do question. this to each other all the time and it's perfectly normal and that's There's a healthy back and forth there they have a decent relationship they they give each other fist bump later if um, it were purely antagonistic i don't think it would be relatable that's what's cool about it you yeah know? it's like that's another credit to to peel's writing you know is is he just he knows where that line is between you know caricature and believability right siblings siblings fight it's gonna happen so here's another here's another big dad energy moment the fucking boat he gets his boat well they hear they hear him honking and they're like what the what the fuck's going on so they go out to like the dock <laughs> and he's driving around on this piece of shit boat and <laughs> and he's very excited about it. Called the Craw Daddy. The Craw Daddy. <laughs> and he's like, it's got a cassette player, leather seats, and a glove <laughs> compartment. <laughs> and Sora's like, can we all fit though? <laughs> and he's like, y'all are spoiled. <laughs> They are so underwhelmed at his enthusiasm. Fair enough. Because I yeah. get it. I get it. I do that all the time, though. I'm like, let's do this thing. Let's, like, watch this movie. I love this movie. Let's let's have this snack that I had when I was a kid. And they're like, yeah, it's a thing. So there is also a big thing about her not wanting. Oh, obviously. Uh, the dad is trying the whole time to convince Addie to go to the beach. And she's like, no, we're not going to the beach. There's weirdos on the beach. We're not going. And he's like, yeah. but, but, but Jason was really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> as if it's Jason. Jason, who is the is the one he's talking about here, <laughs> which is yeah. So she does eventually. Agree I have to totally her. done that too, as a, as a <laughs> you gotta, as a father. <laughs> you got to do it. But he, eventually, you know, she agrees to go to the beach. She's like, "We're leaving before it's dark," and I'm like, "Fair enough, I guess." I think that's an interesting moment of character, specifically because it changes from viewing to viewing. On a first viewing, there's the impression that the reason she doesn't want to go to the beach is because she's afraid of what happened to her, and then of course on a rewatch. She's afraid to go to the beach because of her guilt about what she did. But I think aren't aren't her memories kind of repressed right now? I don't think her memories are repressed at all. I think she knows exactly what's going on. I think she knows exactly from 
I think from scene one of her as an adult, she knows exactly what was going on. And that's the reason she doesn't want to go to the beach. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess she wouldn't be traumatized by it because it was her fucking idea. The whole, the whole thing anyways. I think, I do think she's traumatized by it, but I think she's traumatized because it's something that she puts out of her mind. But when she's reminded of it, when it's forced back into her mind, she has to acknowledge that she did that to that other little girl. Oh yeah. I guess we've all been there doing. And I'm not saying that she's a sociopath or anything. I think she feels guilt, you know, I, and I don't think she's a bad person, but at the same time, it was one of those situations of one of us has to stay down there and one of us gets to be up here. I want it to be me. And if that means taking you out of the equation, I will do it. That got dark. Jesus. Yeah. We were, I mean, I, I I don't, like I said, I'm not, I, I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she's unsympathetic, but she was, she just, she made that mercenary call at a very early age and then had to live with the consequences of that for the rest of her life. And so she's justifying it. And you know, when, when she's going through her day to day life, she just pushes it out of her mind or she justifies it or something. But that's why she doesn't want to go to the beach because going there forces her to be confronted with what she did. So let's go to the fucking beach and meet Tim Heidecker. (laughs) But before we get there, we get a nice little, nice little car ride again. They spend a lot of time in the car. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. I definitely don't want to skip the car ride. I, the, I got five on it scene and not even the, I got five on it scene that, Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good scene. Yeah, we'll get there. I know. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I'll, I'll yeah. see. But we got the. He's singing. I got five on it. Something about doing something with that Indo weed. And then the kids, the daughter's like, "What?" Or one of the kids. I can't even fucking remember who. What? Josh. Josh says, "What's this even about?" Yeah. What? And she's like, "It's about drugs." And he's like, "It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs." But then, <laughs> and then the whole song is just about smoking weed. Yeah. And then, and then finally, <laughs> I think this. I think the part you're talking about is coming right now. Jason keeps on trying to do the magic trick, and Zora just looks. And she goes, just tell us what happened so we can imagine it. And then he's like, kiss my anus. Are you talking about that part? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which kills me every time. And then the ensuing conversation (laughs) where the dad's like, what the fuck? He doesn't say what the fuck, but, you know, his reaction is what the fuck. (laughs) Like, I would have preferred you actually swear in this case. Yeah, exactly. Because that's absolutely what happens when you have the kid who you've had the don't swear conversation with. They find a word that w- that doesn't cross the line, but is arguably way more disturbing than if they had crossed the line. <laughs> Did I have I told you the the story about my daughter? I'm gonna say she was three or four, and uh, my son was sitting at the table, and he hit himself in the nads, like or something <laughs> like that, or maybe he maybe he just sat on him or something, and he was like, "Oh, my balls hurt," and I said, "Son, don't say balls. That's rude. Say testicles." And then my daughter looks up at me and she goes, "Testicles!" Just looks square in my eye and just shouts, "Testicles!" No, I don't think you. T- do that <laughs> yeah well i think i think i maybe got out where i was like because balls is sort of a crude way to say it but testicles is like the technical way of saying it and so nobody can give you a hard time about it we were very church people at the time you know so i like i didn't have a problem with swearing but i i also wanted them to be respectful of the people we were interacting with you know so i was like so testicles is a way you can say what you mean and it's it's not a, it's not potentially offensive <laughs> she just looked me right in the eye testicles 
aggressively. It was great. It's one of my favorite memories ever. <laughs> and that's why I about you... shit myself laughing. <laughs> that's why you have kids. That's the Absolutely. only. That's the only reason I can think of that anybody would want to have children just for the shit only... like that. <laughs> it's the only argument that I. It's the only thing that you could throw at me that I couldn't argue with. Everything else I could be like, well, I don't know about that. Now oh, there's exceptions. You throw shit like that at me, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty fucking great. Kids... You don't get that. There's no adult analog for that. <laughs> no. It just doesn't exist. Kids swearing is kind of funny to me, and I don't really know why. Kid swearing is only funny if they're if they don't normally do it. If it's a kid who normally swears, it's like, oh, that's just a little disturbing. <laughs> well, we always say like we don't really care if the worst thing you do is swear. I don't really give a shit. Just you know, take a look at your surroundings. Don't swear in front of people that you know don't like it. Yeah, it's courtesy, you know. Yeah, at least be courteous. Yeah, be considerate. So after after the anus, the name of your sex tape after the anus. Yes, my anus. <laughs> after the anus, <laughs> um, uh, we come across an ambulance. An ambulance. Ambulance is come up multiple times in this movie there's a maybe dead guy and it happens to be the guy with the jeremiah 1111 sign yes it is and that that's a quick little thing and it's that's disturbing let's move on now <laughs> so we meet <laughs> elizabeth moss and tim heidecker at the beach and their shitty kids oh god yeah oh those kids yikes <laughs> honestly though with parents like them <laughs> not a surprise no as much as i enjoy elizabeth moss and tim heidecker they were just playing assholes in this movie and you know kudos to them they killed it they did a great job each of them was absolutely perfectly cast and played it very very well but at the same time just like oh fuck i want to have i want to have nothing to do with these people despite the fact that she is a scientologist she's a very good actress i I was not aware she was a scientologist and you know what i think you've said that before too that's how utterly oblivious i am and it makes very little sense given the roles that she chooses yeah because she 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 tends to play these um very strong women and that's not allowed in scientology (laughs) yeah very interesting strong female characters and yeah yeah invisible man was a great movie so oh invisible man was fantastic yeah she's got two just stellar horror movies under her belt and then she also uh, the star of the fucking handmaid's tale on hulu which i still haven't watched Fuck. that, that one's gonna to that one's gonna be that. a hard watch i don't think that's gonna be a lot of fun oh really yeah that's whew. it's good from what i gather but oof pretty intense yeah i've seen bits and pieces of it and rachel's like i want to watch it again but i don't really want to watch it again <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine uh keeps recommending it to me or well she did a few years ago and uh i think part of the reason she maybe wanted me to watch it was because she wanted me to understand where she was coming from she had gotten out of a pretty abusive relationship <laughs> and i'm like yeah i don't know if i want that much of an insight <laughs> yeah right no uh i don't know yeah the whole thing seems the... pretty intense we did watch that movie though that i got from shout factory the handmaid's tale Oh, the one from the 90s. <laughs> yep. How is it? Pretty okay. It's 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 a 90s movie. Very, very yeah. 90s movie. Yeah. It looks like a very, very 90s movie just from the cover. I remember the cover distinctly when you when you sent it to me. I remembered having seen it in the 90s. Like, it's fun that I have it. Like, <laughs> or technically Rachel has it, I guess. Because I gave it to her for Christmas. Here, Merry Christmas. It's a movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's for us. Addie is not fucking interested in anything Elizabeth Moss has to say. Her name is Kitty, by the way, I think. Yes, it is Kitty. But she's like, um, you good? Because Addie's just kind of like, yeah, yep, uh-huh. Yeah, she's very disengaged from the whole conversation. Not that I blame her, but uh, yeah. And then and then she kind of gives this explanation that I, I related to really well about just not being able to do small talk right now. It's yeah. like, oh, fuck, Just not I very good that. at talking. Yeah. And, she, <laughs> and then, then Kitty's like, oh, no, I totally get that. It's like.
like this and this and this and she just keeps fucking going it's a credit to Lupita Nyong'o's performance she kind of waves her hand in this way and you just get exactly what she's talking about she just said talking in a gesture and you're just like oh yeah I fucking get it yeah and also yeah she's she's like not having any of it I keep on wanting to call him Eric but it's Tim and his name is Josh in the movie he he offers her some some drinks he's like we got a full bar here because they're rich of course and they <laughs> and they very much act like it they act like that like those friends of yours who are doing very well and love to let you know how well they're doing <laughs> yeah he's like so you got the boat right you got the boat like yeah i got the boat and he's like oh did you get a little dingy and he's like fuck you man do you have the essentials <laughs> do you have life jackets do you have this do you have the flare gun and he's like oh i knew you'd forget the fucking flare gun their little setup little yeah another fucking setup another thing jason though ends up wandering off because of course he did not until after the he's like building like a tunnel or whatever a tunnel there's another fucking thing that's weird and the two shitty twins fucking destroy it and then they go to zora and be like your brother's fucking weird and she's like he just has trouble paying attention sometimes i wonder if the implication there is that Addie's genetic programming you know the fact that she was actually built as one of these shadows yes is pouring over into her kids just a little bit you know i was sort of yeah i was kind of toying with that theory a little bit but then i abandoned it because i'm not smart enough to bring those thoughts to fruition at all well i don't think it has to have any kind of larger meaning or anything simply that you know it, he was just planting a little seed there for the, so that when you watch it the next time and you come back with actual knowledge because i think that's something that a really great filmmaker does is they don't just think about the opening weekend they don't just think about the first time you watch the movie they think about the 14th time you watch the movie they want it to be an experience that you can keep coming back to they don't just make a movie for a for a box office boom on a weekend they make a movie because they want the movie to stand the test of time they want 30 40 years down the road people to still be talking about that movie God, and so consequently he put enough thought into what those kids would be doing that jason is digging a tunnel yes yeah there's there's no accidents here or maybe he just thought it would be funny to have jason digging a tunnel but jason does go just what does wander off to go pee and we get a little bit of addy doesn't dance anymore she used to dance when she was a kid and that'll come into play a little bit later also every i wonder if that's not maybe about how she started to sort of understand what she did as she gets older you know because as a kid kids are just sort of self gratification machines like all they're really interested in is doing what makes them feel good what meets their needs they're you know they're little selfish creatures and there's nothing wrong with that that's how they're programmed for survival you know but they need to be taught empathy you know kids kids need to be taught empathy because a little kid left to their own devices is just a little sociopath you know so i wonder if her giving up her dancing wasn't maybe as she got older she started to understand what she had done she started to understand the broader implications of it and she sort of lost her innocence and her joy see that's why i need you to, to bring out those those smart philosophical thoughts <laughs> <laughs> to borrow a line from every douchebag on the internet i'm just asking questions yes you are just asking questions but they're good questions man uh so after jason takes a leak and he leaves the outhouse which is awful i hate those things they're fucking weird jason sees a lone dude just kind of hanging out on the beach by the bathrooms his arms are spread open and he's in this fucking trench coat and you can see a little bit of blood dripping off his fingers and he's just standing there i think the implication is that it's the jeremiah 1111 guy's doppelganger well 
well, it's it's much less an implication and more exactly what it is because later on you see his face. I, I, I wasn't sure if they had made that explicitly clear. I, I don't think they do. I don't I think mean, it's, it's obvious, explicitly clear. It's I mean, if you're paying attention, I guess, because you because that he's the, the first guy that we see get fucked up by his by his doppelganger. And then, yeah, like yeah. he's the first one to get killed. And so consequently, his doppelganger is the first one to take up the line. Yep. Yeah, yep, that sounds but right. I, I didn't get that until the second viewing or something like that. I, oh. I don't think I got that on the first viewing. No, probably not. I did. I, I have watched this like four or five times at this point, though. Yeah, I think I'm only at three <laughs> right now, but I've got many more in my future. Because yeah, I watched this yesterday and the day before, too. The only thing about this movie is that it's not this isn't a comfort watch, you know, like certain movies I can just throw on and just watch them anytime because as soon as I get into them, it's like wrapping myself in a warm blanket. This movie, as much as I love it and as much as it sucks me right in, it's not like that. It sucks me in, but it sucks me in because it's fucking creepy and it gets <laughs> under my skin. And I love being creeped out. I, I love that feeling. But at the same time, it's not a comforting feeling at all. Nope. It's like watching Green Room. It's such a good movie, but damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. I, I. It doesn't quite hit that same spot as Green Room does for me, but that's just because they're such different movies tonally. Addie realizes that Jason's gone and she looks at she looks at her husband and goes, hey, uh, where where where's Jason? He's like, what? Because that's the way dads are in this movie yeah and again i think this is addy's guilt coming at her because she expects the same thing to happen to jason it's not that she thinks jason is going to get lost it's that she thinks they're coming for him no and even later on he says he says do you think somebody was going to kill me or something like that in, in, yeah. in the bedroom <laughs> and she's like no that was not my fear at all actually <laughs> So let's get back home. We're going back home. They they decide to go back home because, you know, what happens when, when your wife freaks out? You got to leave. Yes. I don't yes, know what you the do. fuck I'm even talking about, but they do go back home. I, I know what you're talking about, and I can verify <laughs> you are correct, sir. And we get some more big dad energy from this motherfucker <laughs> because what's the first thing he does? He sits down in front of the TV and goes, and she, mom's like, oh, I'm going to go say goodnight to everybody. And he's like, all right, cool. I'll... I'm going to watch the sport, the basketball highlights or whatever, and then I'll see you later in the magic room. (laughs) (laughs) I can't relate to the sports center thing, but I can absolutely relate to, yeah, I'm going to sit down and do, you know, my me entertainment time, and then I'll come to you and hope for sex, even though I've done absolutely (laughs) nothing to earn it. And, uh, you know, mom says goodnight to Zora, turn off your phone. She does not turn off her phone because she's a teenage girl and mom didn't actually take the phone away from her. Like, if she really wanted her off the phone, that's exactly what she would have done <laughs> it's kind of the only way to make it happen <laughs> right uh and then she talks to the kid on the bed and he's like do you think somebody was gonna kill me and it turns out it's 11 11 because that keeps on popping up because it's twins of twins oh fuck 11 11 yep it is oh shit i didn't even think of that but yes so it's bedtime and what does the dad do he gets on the bed and because you know Addie's like <laughs> Addie's kind of sulking by the window but he gets on the bed right in the middle of it and just spreads out and this dude's huge too so he takes up the whole fucking bed that for me is the most relatable moment of his character <laughs> in a movie that is filled with relatable moments up to this point for that character. If I had a dollar for every time I have tried to pull that move, and it was never going to happen. Let's be clear. <laughs> in these situations, it's never on the table, and yet he still like moves in there like, alright, let's make this happen. No, no, you're not going to. But yeah, because she's, she's not she's not in the fucking mood. I don't even know no, why he, why he thought this was going to happen after the freak out at the beach. Yeah, he's <laughs> clearly maybe fucking brain dead a little bit. Um, Husbands are eternal options optimists when it comes to sex. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just funny because she shuts him down immediately. She's like, we got to go. We're going to leave. And he's like, oh, what? why? And then she finally, apparently, I don't know how long they've been married. It's never mentioned, but she tells him the story sort of about what happened at the beach. And she's like, I saw them, the, <laughs> the girl in the mirror. And she's like, I feel like she's going to come after me. He looks at her and goes, who? The mirror girl? <laughs> and his face, his face when he says that. It's, it's so funny and kind of sad for her because like you can tell oh, yeah. he does not believe her because who would, right? No, of course he doesn't. He tries. Like, I, I, I you, you got to appreciate that he tries. He's like, no, I believe you. I'm just processing. Like, Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like, that's the best anybody could do at that point. And then he's like, well, if she looks like you, I'm pretty sure I could kick your ass. So, and she's like, that's not funny. The funny thing is for his attempt at getting, getting her in the mood, he actually had an opportunity there to potentially turn it around and get her in the mood <laughs> if, if he'd gone the direction she needed him to with the whole thing. Yeah. If he'd have just been like, baby, if you want to get out of here, we're getting the fuck out of here first thing in the morning. You know, if he'd just been like, your needs trump all and you bet we're going to get, you know, like as opposed to doing the thing that every guy in that situation does, which is pouting and trying <laughs> to pretend like he doesn't think she's full of shit. If he'd have just, if he'd have just doubled down on supporting her, it's entirely possible she could have turned around and been like, that's the hottest fucking thing you could have done. <laughs> he would have won, but he did not. This is also a horror movie. So guess what happens the second fucking she gets done telling the story? The power goes out because <laughs> yes it does because what have we done three fucking movies in the past three weeks where the power goes out yeah something like that yeah i mean the power pretty much has to die at some point in these types of movies doesn't it yes everybody goes out to the living room and the kids like they're like what's what's going on and he's like oh the generator fucking whatever or no not the generator the power's out ah oh my god i'm freaking out right now i haven't even had any caffeine yet your friday the 13th memories are bleeding into this actually i'm, I'm jumping ahead to the backup generator scene with kitty and josh jason says there's a family in our driveway which is about the creepiest fucking thing he could have said at that point um yeah i'm nope <laughs> he's like there's a family in our driveway a boogeyman's family he says honestly there's a man in the driveway could not have been scarier than there's a, <laughs> there's family a whole family in the driveway a family of people just standing there like serial killers that is so much more fucking disturbing than someone wielding an axe and Holy they're all shit. they're all just standing in a line holding hands and shit it just draped in shadows the dad tries he's like what are you what are you guys afraid of a family like yeah yeah dad i'm very afraid they're being fucking weird out there to his credit he does try to be try to be the tough guy and he goes because addy the second the second they show up she's on the phone to the cops rightfully so yeah absolutely well especially given what she knows of course he's you know he's tr he's trying to be the dad he's trying to diffuse the situation and this is where that whole you know shake it off thing comes in and is a detriment to him because <laughs> he's like come on guys shake it off it's just some people standing in the driveway i'll deal with this and then he goes out and he tries and he's like you know if you're trying to scare people you pick the wrong house for that so get out of here i love how he starts putting more bass in his voice as he talks <laughs> yeah, he goes inside he gets the baseball bat and he's like i already done told you to, to get off my property now the police are already he says on they way he doesn't say on their way because you know he's trying to trying to toughen it up a little bit yes he is <laughs> and it's really funny red i guess she like clicks and then the kids one of the kids breaks off and then abraham who is the dad's doppelganger guy starts heading who towards is him. fucking huge 
Yes. Because he's fucking huge. Yes, he is. And he's like, oh shit, I'm going to go inside now. So he runs inside. What I like about the casting and specifically Jordan Peele going like, I'm not going to, there's no white leads in my movie. And and a lot of people complained about that with this movie too, specifically, because they're not white. Oh my God. But the best part about this movie is that this family, these characters could be any race, any gender, any sexual orientation, and it would have worked exactly the same way because it has nothing to do with anything aside from a couple jokes. Specifically yeah, this joke, I mean, Abraham is trying to get in. He picks up the hide key and he's unlocking the door and uh, the dad's like, what? No, what Abraham doesn't pick oh, up the Oh, it, it's got to be Red, Red, right? Red picks up the hide yeah. key because, again, she knew it was there. Addy says, it's the it's the hide key. <laughs> and the dad goes, hide key? What kind of white shit? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's a pretty good joke. But you're right. I mean, that is the thing that's so cool about this movie is how, like, literally, no matter what your background is, there's something for you to relate to here. Yeah, it is just a family on vacation hanging out. Who cares yeah, what like, they are? Yeah, like, I don't yeah. care if, like if it's two dads and their kids or it, yeah if it's you know a black family or native american white whatever it is like it it's just so relatable like everybody's been there in to some degree this is where this turns into a real horror movie for a minute it's officially a home invasion movie for like a good 5 10 minutes eventually the whole the whole doppelganger family which we come to learn that they're they call themselves the tethered they eventually all make their way inside the house and both families are like sitting across from each other and then red the tethered mom uh, sits down and she tells a story and then about the little girl and her shadow and, and how the little girl had, had a good life and the shadow had a shitty life where she had to eat raw rabbit and her toys cut her and stuff. And Addie knows this story, but we don't know that Addie knows this story just yet. And when one of the one of the, the normal family, the surface family, they say, one of them says, who are you guys? And she Red says, we're Americans, which I thought was a weird line, but there's a purpose for it, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I think that's, um, if anything, that is probably the key to any deeper meanings that this movie may have, you know, about, you know, basically people who are being ignored by society, you know, people who society is in many ways built on, but are being ignored by society, who are neglected by society, who are left to, you know, rot in their underground caves by society. You could be talking about the homeless. You could be talking about uh, disenfranchised minority groups. You could be talking about the middle class. You know, there's a lot of different groups that that the metaphor could apply to. And I think that's the reason that she says that we're Americans. It comes down to the universality of this movie. I mean, there's a reason the movie's called Us. By the way, this doesn't happen until 45 minutes into the movie. So it's one of those. Well, you know, hey, kudos to him for knowing how to pace a movie because it doesn't feel like it's been 45 minutes when we get to this point. But we have really gotten invested in these people. Yeah, no, because the characters are good and funny and they have a good thing going on. So you're just kind of enjoying watching them do stuff yeah yeah and you know and and plot points are being set up stuff is being set up he's getting us invested and he's setting things in order for the whole rest of the the story to unfold and so it doesn't feel like wasted time even though that is a good amount of time i mean that's a third of the movie after the story everybody kind of breaks off with their tethered abraham takes gabe's glasses and then drags gabe out of the house that's the dad bt dubs that is an interesting 
choice. The glasses from a storytelling thing? standpoint, not the glasses thing, but the the fact that she sort of signals them to each take on their own tethered because she has a level of distance on it, even though this is her family. You know, there's a detachedness to her, even from her own children, in that she's kind of like, "All right, you take care of your business." Well, yeah, she does call Umbri the girl a uh, little monster, and then the other one's like, "Ooh, she, he likes fire." You know, maybe there's some sort of internal commentary there on how someone who was born into a you know quote unquote normal life again this is all dependent on you understanding where the movie's going you know this is rewatch stuff this is not first time viewing stuff but if there's some commentary there on how a person who is you know born normal with all the with all the gifts that you know growing up in in regular society brings being thrust into a bad situation can rob them of their empathy and then you take someone who was born disenfranchised born on the outside and you put them in a situation where they suddenly have access to all this care where they have access to parents who are you know trying to get them help and professionals who are trying to help them and and suddenly they're able even though they were born into a society and they were raised in a society that is utterly devoid of empathy suddenly they're able to ex, you know to to sort of expand their worldview and develop em- the empathy that makes her feel that guilt about what she did see again that's why i need you because i'm just like she's mean and mad and her kids are (laughs) awful I mean, I think it, again, it plays more, it plays even more into what I was saying about this being a commentary on disenfranchised groups. And again, it can be any disenfranchised group. If you're talking about African Americans and what they've had to suffer with, it fits. If you're talking about Native Americans and what they've had to suffer with, it fits. If you're talking about the gay community, if you're talking about the homeless community, if you're talking about the middle class that is rapidly dying in America, it fits. There are some featurettes on the Blu-ray that kind of, he kind of delves into that kind of stuff and it helped me understand a little bit better what the movie was about oh okay i'll ha- i'll have to look into some of that because i didn't want to watch any of that stuff before i really had a strong you know before i had really had a chance to sort of form my own opinion and it usually takes me several watches to do that and like i said at this point i think i'm at three or four i i, I probably got a few more before i want to before i want to jump into any special features that might tell me what to think so umbry is the creepiest fucking one of the bunch i think of the four Umbri is Zora's tethered oh yeah the daughter because none of them have eyebrows by the way and and umbri will not stop smiling and laughing and being creepy yeah when she said that she was born laughing it's like ooh, (laughs) what a little maniac (laughs) no thank you and pluto and jason pluto by the way is jason's tethered uh, and he's got this little mask on because he burned his face i guess yes he's a pyromaniac yes and they go and hang out in the closet that jason got trapped in and the and the little ambulance is there holding the door open and that'll become important here in a minute so we do kind of see that pluto kind of copies whatever jason does and he's just yeah he's kind of mirroring everything that he's doing yeah it's interesting that pluto does that but they don't all do that you know so there's 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 a level to which i would be very curious to again have a conversation with jordan peele about what rules he established in his own head as a writer when he was approaching this like what were his rules for this world there's a line that that hints at it a little bit later on but i i think i 
think, again, this is a movie that you can only have theories about because nothing is like cut and dry, really. I And I, honestly, that's one of my favorite things about it because I don't want all the answers handed to me. That's why one of my favorite filmmakers is, well, two of my favorite filmmakers are Quentin Tarantino and David Lynch. Like Quentin Tarantino doesn't tell you what to think about his movies. He doesn't do audio commentaries. He doesn't do all this stuff that other filmmakers do. He doesn't tell you how to interpret his movies. He gives you the movies and he'll he will say what he thinks about certain things but he never tells you like for example he's never said what's in the briefcase in pulp fiction david lynch takes it even further to the point where he won't even address your questions most his of the movies time. yeah wow i've never watched a david lynch movie but everything i've heard i'm like i don't know if i want to dive into that stuff dude you literally just published the dune episode oh my god i forgot about dune that's not a david lynch <laughs> movie though that doesn't count yes it is it's it's not a traditional david yeah. lynch movie but <laughs> exactly I could actually mean follow it's not that a David movie. Lynch movie. It is 100% a David Lynch movie. <laughs> I forgot. The fact that you could follow it does make it slightly anomalous, but you can follow the Elephant Man too. So just because it's a David Lynch movie doesn't mean you're, just because it's not like David Lynch movies are considered to be. You know, it, just because it's not like the popular image of a David Lynch movie doesn't mean it's not a David Lynch movie. Dune is definitely a David Lynch movie. Let's get back to Umbri real quick. It's a quick thing. Zora has to run from her because Red looks at Zora and says, "Run." I think that's because Red knew exactly where Umbri was going to take it. Like, Umbri is not complicated. She's just a little psychopath. Yeah, so she starts chasing Zora, and then they end up kind of, you know, playing peekaboo around this dude's fucking car, and then Zora gets on, or no, not Zora, Umbri gets on top of the car, and then this dude comes out and says, hey, get off my fucking car, what are you doing? Come here, come here. And then Zora makes a run for it, and just off in the background, Umbri walks up to this guy, and you just, you hear a shh, like a little slicing sound and you don't <laughs> yeah. really it's kind of blurry you don't see exactly what happened but he screams and obviously that guy's dead suffice to say she made use of those nasty looking scissors they're all carrying speaking of this whole event red says that she calls it the untethering yeah so i i think that's part of what the scissors was about you yeah, know yeah like, like it cut, cutting the ties metaphorically and yeah. cutting the tether yeah but uh yeah they're all carrying we we come to find out that all of the tethered have these really gnarly looking and gold scissors and one glove like michael jackson of course it was one glove that I, I didn't even make the michael jackson <laughs> connection the first couple of times i watched it but this time i'm watching it and i'm like oh hands across america and one glove because those are the only cultural references she still has and there's also the freddy krueger thing like as far as as far as jordan peele like he he says he scattered references to 80s movies all over this fucking thing. oh i don't doubt that you know freddy krueger was part of it i mean that's why it's not you know that's why it's not a sequined glove it's it, it's like a golf glove <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. but still you know like it works it works on both levels like you have the thriller reference and then you have the one glove there's the horror reference in the freddy krueger thing but there's also the fact that you know michael jackson was a pop cultural touchstone that she had going into her life underground as was hands across america you know i'm, I'm sure if we had gotten to know her more we would have found a few other cultural touchstones that she'd carried in from her childhood you know i mean for example she's the one who said it's our time up there right right oh so she yep she would have she would have she the had goonies. that Goonies tape yeah. as a kid. It's one of the cultural touchstones she had. Yep, because it was 1986. So yeah, she definitely would have had that. And Chud. I don't know where Chud comes in. I doubt she watched that, but who knows? I think Chud was more of an Easter egg thing. <laughs> so we're back on this shitty boat again. Oh God, that's right. That's right. Gabe <laughs> so, makes a run for the boat. Uh, well, Gabe is. Oh, oh no, wait, no, it, no, that's it just right. He, Gabe no. is in like the garbage bag. That's right. It's later that he makes. <laughs> yeah. A run. I, I keep getting later's. I keep moving things up in the timeline. This. Yeah. No. He yeah. Gets, this 
scene is very I think this is like the most action heavy scene in the whole fucking movie because there's just so much boom it's cutting 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 every couple minutes to different characters doing shit yeah I mean the scene at the Tyler house is pretty is pretty fast pretty intense but but we also get a second to sit down and be like hey let's make jokes for a second yeah there's so much going on during this whole sequence like it is just non-stop for a few minutes there yes oh the boat dies by the way so we we we, we kind of skipped over the fact that the boat dies and veers to the left he's like the guy showed me how to do this and you have to like hit it and the boat dies when they're in the middle of the middle of the lake or whatever and and i guess i think we hear like another tethered making some noise off in the distance and abraham kind of communicates with that other tethered by just groaning and screaming i think on first viewing you're meant to sort of interpret that as him communicating with one of the one of the members of his family but then on a second viewing you're supposed to or maybe maybe it's something you're supposed to realize on the first viewing i'm not sure exactly how all the cutting and everything works to that effect my memory's not 100 percent clear on it but basically you realize that this thing's bigger than just what's going on here yes so this 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 little this little cut ends with the boat starting and gabe and abraham both ending up in the water because gabe finally gets free and knocks abraham in the water with the baseball bat that he finally gets to fucking use and he's also they make a point of showing you that uh, abraham's foot is tangled up in the in the lifeline cannot forget that that shit's very important and then guess what we cut back to pluto or pluto and jason and pluto wants to see the trick that that magic trick that never fucking works and he's like very adamant about it he does not take no for an answer he like grabs jason's hand and starts like slapping it trying to get him to do it so jason flicks it a couple times and then it fucking a big spark comes out and it kind of freaks out pluto and then jason makes a run for it and locks that little bastard in the closet smart little kid yeah he's he's kind of a clever dude this is intercut a little bit with red shoving Addie's head onto the glass table and you can so hear- <laughs> hard that the glass starts to crack yes. and that is not lightweight glass that is no some, they do not make those tables out of glass that is easy to crack you you can hear pluto screaming and Addie's like that's yours and then she has to go get him of course and then she cuts a head off a stuffed bunny when she's searching for jason of course because you got to do some creepy shit but it's well yeah it was her i bunny. mean the, the thing to keep in mind is this is also a game for them this isn't just you know judgment night this is also them they're playing basically yeah she does make a comment about how we are going to take our time yeah they are having fun i love that they're able to have fun as a family that's delightful that's you know that's that that's the most important stuff until they all start getting fucking axed and then that's kind of weird so gabe we cut to we cut back to gabe see it's just cut 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 gabe's back on the boat and abe is on top of him beating the shit out of him gabe baseball bats abraham in the head and knocks him into the water and then the boat kicks to life and kicks gabe out of the out of it and so now they're both stuck in the water but abraham gets dragged off because his foot is tangled in the lifeline so he just gets dragged off by the boat and now gabe swimming for sure and then later the boat comes around because as he said it veers to the left so it's inevitably going to circle back around again and that's when it dies very near him he gets back on the boat and then boom here comes abe out of the water abe and gabe and then we get the scene with the scissors and he yes. headbutts the engine to get it started and abraham gets his gets dragged down into the rotor red told Addie to tether herself to the table with handcuffs which we learn eventually that they're the same handcuffs that she used to tie her to the bed all those years yeah. ago uh, but she breaks this fucking this big thick wooden table with a uh, like a fire poker fireplace poker thing and that's how she frees herself so she's in handcuffs basically the whole time yeah but i do know yeah, for thing. the whole rest of yeah. the movie she's in handcuffs the handcuffs aren't attached to both hands right now that happens later i didn't notice that part really i didn't really think about that yeah so she, so like for the next you know 15 20 minutes or whatever she's walking around with this handcuff just dangling there 
and then <laughs> Elizabeth Moss takes advantage of it. Zora comes back, and then Red and Pluto find Jason, but Jason does get away. So they all make their way out to the dock, and they all get on the fucking boat, and they escape, and everybody lives happily ever after. So that's good. They're in the boat, and they get away, so we're happy for them for a minute, but we cut to Josh and Kitty. You know, Josh is being a douche, sitting in his fucking comfy chair, drinking whatever rich white people drink. Scotch, probably. And apparently Kitty hears something, and she's like, hey, could you maybe uh, go see what that is? I thought I heard a noise. And he's like, maybe the girls just ordered a pizza. She's like, um, I'm scared. Could you please get up off your ass and go check outside? And he's like, but I'm in my comfy chair. I'm in my comfy chair. I don't want to move. He's such a prick. Yeah, just the asshole family. Oh, he says, I want to stay in my cozy spot. <laughs> Eventually, she convinces him to get up off his ass. And he looks outside and he's like, no, wait, wait, I see something. She's like, what do you, what do you see? It's OJ. We found him. It's OJ. It should be noted that uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Kitty Tyler is a blonde woman. Oh, yeah. Legitimate that, reason to be afraid. That would make sense. The <laughs> twins come out and they're kind of standing on this balcony and they're like, what's going on? And Kitty's like, well, they fucking, the, the backup generator went on. We're just trying to figure it out. Go back to your rooms and go to sleep. And then the kids are like, just because we're in our rooms doesn't mean we're sleeping. Oh, and you just want to smack their shitty little faces. Yeah. And then it's like, fuck you. And then she's you like, deliberately fine. antagonistic little shit. <laughs> I hate them so much. Then she's like, fine, go back to your rooms. But they don't get a chance to go to their rooms because they're tethered, sneak up behind them. And Josh is like, hey, uh, hello. What kind of weird <laughs> fucking response is that? Um, Maybe, hey, girls, there's somebody with a knife behind you or scissors or whatever. That is such an upper income, you know, nothing can ha- nothing can touch me <laughs> attitude. They all get kind of wrecked in quick fashion, mostly off in the distance. But Elizabeth Moss is left alive and she's like dragging herself on the rug on the carpet. Blood is gurgling, making this gurgling sound. And it's pretty it's pretty gross. Yeah, she got a good death scene. I mean, you really felt it like. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty gnarly. That gurgling noise coming out of her throat was just like, oh, fuck, that doesn't sound right. And then she's obviously kind of kind of like confused and shit, as you would be. So she crawls to Tex, I think his name is, Tethered Josh. Um, well, she's crawling towards Josh is what she's doing, but then Tex steps in front of her and she looks up and it's Josh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's his face. Yep. He reaches his hand down to like help her and he's obviously taken on some of Josh's douchey personality. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then he does that thing where he pulls his hand back and brushes his hair back like a fucking idiot (laughs) and then she says please stop oh and it should be mentioned that they have this alexa thing called ophelia was it ophelia yeah um and he josh had made it play the beach boys because of course he did and it's it's it like she says please stop and then it says stopping and then she's like oh shit i can do that ophelia this is my favorite moment in the movie by the way this this is fucking great she's like ophelia call the police and she says okay playing fuck the police by nw and and that that computer voice really leans in on the word fuck on that <laughs> so it really starts playing fuck the police and it's i think that Jordan, is a Jordan that is Peele a great sending, comedy moment yeah he is sending a very clear message i think <laughs> you think <laughs> maybe yeah. just a little That's... like booming it is so fucking loud too it just dominates the soundtrack for a few minutes it's not an all-time hip-hop standard for no reason no no it's 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 great it makes me happy so our main family shows up at this house and then josh you know tethered josh fucking is at the door and Addie's like hey hey oh wait a minute and then she sees all the dead bodies i think and then then she gets like pulled in inside by the by everybody by all the tethered creepy people i think it's just the yeah, twins that pull her to... and then tethered josh goes after gabe because he just can't catch a fucking break can he <laughs> nope he starts chasing him and and gabe turns around and goes let's go bad josh <laughs> does he say that yes i forgot that 
<laughs> and then the kids go inside and they grab some weapons because they're going to go rescue their mom because they heard her scream, obviously. Smart kids who have clearly grown up watching movies like The Goonies with uh, empowered little children taking on evil grown-ups. Yeah, these kids are fucking badass, man. Yeah, they are. I mean, they shit, they, uh, they make short work of those twins. Yeah, like Zora has this like little shitty putter and Jason grabs this <laughs> statue that's like made out of marble or rock, some kind of rock or something. I think it's um oh shit what are those what are those things called it's about the size of a honeydew you know it's it it's broken away and it's got those nice crystals forming on the inside of the rock so yeah, it's I don't that know what kind you would of a call rock it. yeah and it's on like a nice little stand that works just as a perfect handle for him so they make their way upstairs and one of the one of the twins pops up and zora hits her in the fucking head and she falls <laughs> falls over the railing and just lands on the table and breaks it just boom beautiful stunt by the way real good oh yeah the other twin attacks and of course she just beats her down with this golf club and it's not pretty it's fucking she's wailing on this thing no, it's, it's fucking gnarly, man. Like she goes, she goes absolutely batshit on that girl. Like by the by the end, she is just splattering blood everywhere. She clearly stabbed her in the eye with the handle of the golf club, and not just the initial poke. But when she goes down later and she stabs with that handle and blood splatters up, there's only one place she could have gone with that blunt ass handle and had that happen. So yeah, she's getting fucking medieval on her ass. I'd want her on yeah. my side. That's for sure. Absolutely. Let me cut to the cut cut to uh kitty's bedroom i guess there's a really creepy moment where kitty's like tethered kitty is looking in the mirror and she's like putting on makeup and being all weird and smiling and shit yeah <laughs> I think it's like the first moment of her getting to live the untethered life, you know? Yeah, and she's like into it for a second. Addie is now officially handcuffed. Oh, yeah, with, that's with right. Yeah, Addie's handcuffed to the to the footboard of the bed. Yes. So we cut back to Gabe and Josh and their text. Josh's boat, by the way, did you see what it was called? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called the B-Yacht. <laughs> like yacht, like the sailing vessel. Yes. He is such a dude. B-Yacht. I love it, though. That, that made me laugh because I, I don't think I ever noticed that before. <laughs> I, oh, man. Real quick, we cut back to Elizabeth Moss. She kind of like went to poke Addie with the scissors, but then she like pulls back and goes and cuts herself. And I think that's obviously like a reference to Kitty getting some plastic surgery done at some point. Yeah, it's like the closest equivalent they have to something like that, I think, is the idea. She gives herself like a she nice... like she's really trying to be Kitty in that scene, you know. Yes, but in the only way they know how. And it's creepy. Elizabeth Moss is the, is also very scary in this movie as the tether. Oh yeah, she's she's great. Why does she have to be a Scientologist? Well, you know, a lot of people come out of Scientology later, so there's still hope. So Bad Josh is looking for Gabe on the boat now, and surprise, surprise, he pulls out a flare gun, shoots it at Josh. Does not work. Like it, it <laughs> yeah, does just nothing. Totally misses him. It just makes him scarier in the red in that red glow and the smoke that comes up and now suddenly he's got this hellish haze around him and the mania tim heidecker does a really good job in this movie just just the mania in his eyes just creepy as fuck kitty is watching from the window and pretending to be all worried yeah in reality she doesn't give shit one yeah. also do you know what we don't actually get to see i don't think we see what actually happens to bad josh we just know that the dad wins yeah we just see him we just see him limping away from the boat later and then yeah. he says he's got two kills under his belt so zora tries to sneak up on kitty but it doesn't work she turns around catches the golf club mid-swing and then she pins zora down on the bed well she she's... she doesn't catch the golf club she catches zora's hand oh does she fuck me yeah because it would be a lot harder to catch a swinging 
object than to catch the hand that swings in terms of like pain on you know your hand when you catch it i watched this movie i swear i did <laughs> you're describing everything mostly right i'm just i'm just filling in a few details for you does she have zora pinned on the bed god damn it <laughs> Yes, she gets Zora <laughs> pinned on the bed. And it looks like she's going to kill Zora, but she doesn't. Yes, it does. Because Jason comes up behind her and smashes her in the fucking head with that weird statue thing. Yeah, he gets his own little badass moment. Everybody gets a badass moment. I like that. Gabe shows up at the front door. He knocks and Zora opens the door and goes, it's unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> boy that one hit close to home let me tell you <laughs> now now they're just kind of hanging out for a minute and talking it's gabe's idea he's like dude we should just stay here there's a backup generator there's food there's where we're safe as here safe here as we're gonna be anywhere he says and she's like no they know us they know where we're gonna be and he's like well why don't we just make some traps for him like like in home alone and she's like you did not just reference home alone and then she <laughs> says this is this is serious this isn't the time for dropping micro machines and then the kids are like what the fuck are micro machines what's home alone <laughs> What are you even talking about? And I wanted to slap those kids, slap the parents for not showing their children a perennial Christmas classic. I don't give a shit about Micro Machines, really. But Yeah, the Micro Machine one, I actually would have thought it was way weirder if the kid didn't say, what are Micro Machines? Yeah, do Micro Machines even exist anymore? Not as far as I know. Well, they maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, Hot Wheels, yeah. They're not, lo- I mean, even if they exist, they're not like they used to be, man. They used to be, like, everywhere. Even if you didn't have them, you knew about them. Oh, no, I knew about them. I saw those fucking commercials. Yeah. Nowadays, they might exist. I don't know. But if they do, you don't know about them. You don't hear about them every third commercial. Yeah, right. No. Yeah. I, I remember Saturday morning cartoons, dude. I think it was on like r slash shower thoughts or something like that. Someone made a really good point is that uh, Saturday morning cartoons weren't for kids. They were for the parents who wanted to sleep in. Fair enough. <laughs> I didn't bug my fucking parents for any of that shit because I was nope. I was watching my goddamn cartoons. I was watching Stone Protectors and Ninja Turtles, man. I was watching, uh, let me see, I watched a lot of Muppet Babies, a lot of Garfield and Friends. Garfield and about Friends, the, I was there for that. About yeah. the time Gummy Bears came on, I was like, all right, I'm out. I watched the Gummy Bears, dude. I watched it occasionally, but it was definitely my last resort. It was in any port in a storm situation. Yeah, again, you're a little older than me, so. Because you, you were watching He-Man and Transformers and shit on saturday mornings too and i was not he-man wasn't on on saturday mornings he-man was on in the after in weekday afternoons that's when i watched he-man shit all right yeah i was watching a bunch of shows that nobody fucking remembers and it really bothers me that nobody remembers any of these shows shit i remember when i uh when i was really first into he-man we only had a black and white set and so i didn't get the those gorgeous filmation colors oh boy you know they do that they do that color wheel thing at the very beginning of those oh, yep. shows. I didn't get it because I I only had a black and white TV to watch things on. And we never watched anything on it, you know, like for my early childhood until I until my mom married my stepdad, TV wasn't really a thing for me aside from when I'd go over to my grandma and grandpa's house and they had videotapes that they had recorded for me off of HBO of like the Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that. The Karate Kid 2 when it came out, you know, but that would that was later. So they do end up deciding to leave, but Zora asks the question, does this mean we get their car? And then the, then the, the dad just kind of nods and he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, well, now we're talking. I do like that uh, he really tried, like there was a moment there where they're arguing about leaving and he tries to, you know, lay down the law. Absolutely not. We're not going. And she's just like, you don't fucking get to decide. <laughs> yeah, we don't. 
get just, to make the decisions anymore. Yeah, she just like she just like gets right up on him and is like, "No, you don't lay down the law on this one. That's not how this is going to work." She's clearly the hero of this yeah. piece. Oh yeah, she she's in charge. Uh, so they do end up going out to the car, and then somebody's like, "Do we have the keys?" And of course, Addie's like, "Fuck!" So she goes back inside, still handcuffed with the fire poker thing, and she sees that 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 the dead twin tethered is not on the table anymore. So she's obviously not dead. Yep. She gets attacked. Addie hits the twin in the face with a fucking frying pan. Those things are brutal. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. And then, you know, Jason, for some reason, Jason walks in the house just as Addie stabs the stabs the tethered. And he's just like, oh, shit. And then. And this is the <laughs> first time we get to see Addie in her true form where she sort of lets the beast loose. Yeah. And, we, and this is the first hint at what the truth of the story is. So then they finally get back out to the car. Uh, Zora wants to drive and she's like, they they all start to argue about their kill counts and who has the highest kill count. She's like, I do. I killed two. And Addie's like, no, you only killed one. I killed the other twin. And then, <laughs> then the dad's like, no, I have the highest kill count. I killed myself and Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I like Which that. is a great way to put it. <laughs> it's good. And then, of course, Umbri shows up. So they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Zora's going to drive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're having an argument. Zora wants to drive. And uh, Addie is like, no, I'm going to drive. And she's like, you're handcuffed. You can't drive. I need to drive. It's not safe. <laughs> and then there's then Umbri shows up in the headlights and she's like, fuck it. I'm yep. getting in the car. <laughs> so she's on top of the car on the hood stabbing the windshield so there's a it's 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 a fucking crazy little action scene and zora speeds up eventually because umbri's on the hood she's stabbing the goddamn the fucking windshield and then zora speeds up slams on the brakes and umbri just goes flying and then of course Addie, being being the badass that she is she's like i'm gonna go check it out and there's zora there's umbri like broken in half hanging upside down in this fucking tree still laughing by the way oh yeah no nothing stops her laughing apparently the pain and horror of death just makes it worse oh man yeah that that's well at least that creepy fucking weirdo's dead i like in that scene that peel gives us the thing that we want to see which is we want to see these characters making the decisions we would see ourselves making in these situations like the thing with with zora slamming on the gas and then slamming on the brakes that's what we're all thinking when we're watching that and it's what she does because it is the sensible thing even if you know like realistically in those situations we'd all be so panicked that you could justify any sort of erratic behavior right it's nice that he gives us like like he knows what he's doing he's giving us characters who are competent so that when the horror happens we don't feel like we've gotten cheated out of interesting and intelligent and capable characters you know yes uh, yeah because i mean i that that's what i would do if my mind was right of course you never know because you're not going to be in a situation like this so you don't know how no of course not react. but you're you not, speculate yeah some fucking assholes are going like i wouldn't have done that why'd they make that stupid decision um because you're panicked and your adrenaline's going and shit's going to go wrong. But I like that he, you know, like he gives us characters who are that capable, which is why they survive the horror in the end, you know, because they are that capable. Um, Did you notice that Addie ends up driving, though, after that? They've been driving overnight, obviously. They've, you know, so they see, like, the aftermath of the, the night before and all the crazy shit that just a bunch of dead bodies all over the place. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah, I felt, for some reason, I felt like something else came between then. But yeah, I guess that's where the transition happens is right after Umber gets killed. 
I can see why Addy would take over the driving because, I mean, let's be honest, after something like that, Zora was probably in no condition to drive. <laughs> yeah. But they end up finding their car in the middle of the fucking road and it's on fire. Who's standing there but Pluto, the fucking pyromaniac? Well, Pluto's not standing there. At first, they pull up to the car and it's oh, on fire. Yeah. And then they hear someone, something underneath the car and they throw it in reverse and back up really quick and there's Pluto. Oh, fuck. That's, that's right. They do do that. Yeah. Keep going. So, Addy, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Addy gets out of the car and she's kind of like trying to get Pluto to kind of like join them I think she's like come here I want to you know but then Jason and Pluto kind of make eye contact because Pluto lifts up his mask and kind of smiles at Jason or whatever and then Jason's like oh shit it's a trap get out of the car and then we see the fucking gas leading under the under the car and again this is a moment where we have really capable characters that's that's the interesting thing is the the reason they're able to survive that which they would not probably have otherwise survived is because Jason who again could be plausibly written as not noticed seeing anything at that moment he does get to notice what pluto's doing you know i think that's part of why these characters are so interesting is not only because they're relatable but because they're also like a little bit better than us they're the they're the versions of ourselves we would want to see in this movie yeah and it would never happen in a million years no no but it's plausible (laughs) within the context of what's going on because we're watching a movie you know and so that just makes us connect with them more as far as i'm concerned like it, it it makes me identify more because i'm looking at them and i thinking yes they're making the decisions that i think that i as the outside viewer are like make that decision it's almost like you know like i hate to get into stereotypes but i mean jordan peele himself has commented very much on this sort of thing you know it's like picturing black people in the audience you know doing the stereotypical (laughs) thing of like do this do that well that's what the characters do it's like the characters are anticipating your yelling at the screen before you do it that is a good point yes because i i never once do i go like oh you're so fucking stupid stupid why would you do that the whole movie we're looking at these characters and they're making the decisions that seem to us to make sense in that moment and granted again that's with us as outside viewers but where jordan peele gives them that benefit of intelligence and it makes them so much more relatable and so much more it gets us so much more on their side there's no like weird horror cliches here nobody's running up the stairs when they shouldn't be nobody's fucking nobody's saying i'll be right back and yet nobody's doing anything dumb and yet at the same time the suspense is still nail-biting yeah, we've never really seen a movie like this before either. So that this is a this is a weird situation to find yourself in. I, mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Jason ends up kind of taking control of Pluto a little bit because Pluto will just copy everything he fucking does, which is weird. Well, I think what he does is he he remembers what he learned about Pluto in their brief interaction together yeah. in the closet, which is that Pluto, if you give him an opportunity, if Jason specifically gives him an opportunity to mirror him, Pluto will do it. And so he takes advantage of that, of his little brief moment of insight. You know, he's able to extrapolate from that was something he could do and he does it and sure enough he He's, walks pluto yep. right back into that car fire strikes a nice little christ pose and sets a poor child on fire <laughs> yeah which is pretty fucking gnarly <laughs> if you think about it this kid is going to need some serious therapy when he when he gets a little older i think the world is over i don't think he's going to get any <laughs> that's probably true um, and and especially not after this there's like a red car kind of next to them and wouldn't you know it red is fucking camouflaging in right in front of this goddamn thing and she takes jason <laughs> and just bolts i'm like what the fuck that was like ninja style right there but it is kind of you do kind of notice that red is very graceful and addy is not yeah. it's 
which will will make sense here in a few minutes. So of course we have to go back to Santa Cruz because Addy knows that's exactly where Red's taking him. Because well, and the interesting yeah. thing here is, and I, I'm guessing a lot of people probably didn't pick up on it on the first viewing. I know I certainly didn't pick up on it on the first viewing. But while Addy going back to Santa Cruz and going back to the ho- the Vision Quest House of Mirrors, that's all plausible with what we know about Addy so far. But as soon as she goes through that door, if the sharp-eyed viewer could potentially extrapolate at that point that this isn't Addie's first rodeo behind that door because she knows where she's going. She makes the correct turns and she doesn't have anything to follow. Red hasn't left any trail, but Addie knows where to go. You know what? I did not pick up on that either because I was going to be like, but because I, I keep forgetting until the very end because that that's how, you know, that's how this movie gets you in the fucking brain. Yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting until the very end. I'm like, how the fuck does she know where that door is? Why does she know that that's there? I mean, it still doesn't make sense that it's there. The interesting thing is that there are a lot of doors. Like, I didn't remember it immediately after my first viewing. So, you know, by my second viewing and, and even after my second viewing, but on this viewing, I noticed there are a lot of doors after she crosses through that first door. So it's not like she walks through that door and there's an escalator down into this weird subterranean realm that nobody's seen. She goes through a regular maze to get back there and she makes several turns. So this is clearly not something that is intuitive or just easy to find, you know? Well, yeah, like because she she makes her way through the house of mirrors and stuff and then she opens a door and it's like a control room and everything seems pretty normal and she keeps going down and down and everything seems super normal but then there's this weird fucking door that just leads to this immaculately kept up escalator de-escalator technically because it only goes down yeah that's the interesting thing about it is it's sort of designed so that anybody who had any sort of difficulty with coordination couldn't get up it and they all do kind of have difficulty with coordination and i guess that's what made addy special in the first place was that she had the coordination to make it up the escalator you know oh shit yeah i never thought about that but yeah that makes complete sense see i needed this i needed this so i could fucking put this movie (laughs) into bigger perspective for me now you're gonna go watch it immediately again again and you're gonna be like oh oh i get it i get it now everything's so clear i finally understand it thank you so much for illuminating no this this movie's ridiculous i'm gonna have to watch it 20 fucking more times and i'm still not gonna understand what the hell no every every subsequent viewing i'm gonna be like i get it and then after that i'm gonna be like wait that doesn't make any fucking sense then i'm gonna watch it again and be like i get it because that keeps on happening to me good time it's that kind of movie but yeah she finds this fucking escalator and it looks really well kept so jordan peele give me a comic book or a sequel that i just i want to make it follow the guy who keeps this place up no i don't want that i i don't want to i don't want to ruin the mystique i love all the questions this spawns i love okay, that this don't watch it i'll watch it and i'll be fine answers. you don't have to watch it why don't you write the comic book you hear me fucking talking right now i can barely fucking form a sentence well that's the great thing about being a writer is you don't have to be able to form it off the cuff you have time to sit down <laughs> and true. do a first draft and then revise and revise and revise everybody is very very confused at work about what we actually do here they're like so is it on youtube is it like do you live stuff i'm like no never in a million fucking years well not not never i guess but like no i have i have no desire to do a live show ever yeah neither do i no it, it would be unlistenable yeah. i've listened to our live shows they're <laughs> terrible i'm not saying it'll never happen but nah, no not. i i think the closest we ever got with that was that interview we did with jill Erbach and um no i i much prefer the edited version oh of me it. too oh absolutely yeah. yeah so hey man bunnies everywhere i do appreciate i do appreciate 
appreciate that not a single animal is harmed on screen in this movie. Because the implication is all there, you know, and, and yeah. that's honestly more horrifying on a deeper level, you know, than than it could have been if they just showed a rabbit getting gutted or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. Like, we, yeah, we don't need that. That's unpleasant to watch, but it's not, you know, like it, it's not horrifying. What's horrifying is the implication of what's going yeah. on there, you know, like why rabbits? Because they fuck more often and faster than any yes. other species, you know, so for a food source. But, it, oh, dude, I cannot stop thinking about like how this stuff gets maintained. Like I know they're not doing it. No, obviously. So we'll we'll get to that in a second. Okay, so Addie finds Red in like a classroom making little, I call them little hand-holding people because that's kind of what they are. Recreating that, the, the t-shirt with the hands across America thing. Yeah, there's a name for those kind of things, but I can't remember what it oh, is. Oh, fuck. I, yeah, we made them in school. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but, it's one of those paper it's one yeah. of those paper-like chains of people where you cut out one person yes. and then you unfold the paper and it, it just makes what looks like a whole line of people holding hands. Okay, so Red has a theory about where the tethered came from and it's not it's not a thing where she says this is what happened she says yeah she believes that they created the tethered to essentially control the people on the surface but it didn't work and that's where my theory kind of comes into play you know how you said like like jason kind of figured out how to get pluto to to mirror him and do what he wants so the fact that yeah that she believes that it didn't quite work presumably because you know the soul maybe the soul like is an actual thing in this in this universe and it doesn't like attach itself to both things if the soul is actually connected then they can like be controlled or whatever you know it's kind of yeah also maybe the idea is that the control only works one way well yeah and that's what i was trying to figure out i'm like because she believes they were created to control the people on the surface yet they all seem to be doing the stuff that the people on the surface are doing so i don't know it doesn't really that part is what doesn't really make sense like i'm kind of trying to wrap my head around that kind of shit well i I think I actually for me that's the reason it works is because if Red had a clear-cut answer that made sense all the way around I think it would sort of make the whole thing fall apart because she shouldn't have an answer given her position definitely the best she should have is wonky theories that don't quite work yes uh she does suggest that Red and Addie were both born different because obviously oh and again because you know you know how uh the original Addie who is now Red left her dad and she kind of seemed to be in like a weird little trance the whole time she was walking down to the beach and stuff that's where i think like their souls were like legitimately connected and they fucking red was able to control or i guess addy was able to control red the underground chick was able to control the above ground chick and and do the bait and switch to get out of there that makes sense i think there's probably something to that like yeah like there's there's undoubtedly a level of connection between them as illustrated by not only the thing between jason and pluto but also the things that we see later on where we see original Addie and her parents underground while Red and her parents are up above ground and they're all kind of doing things. So there's clearly a connection there. But yeah, like what exactly the details of that are is is left very vague. Ultimately, I think that that's for the best. I don't think a clear-cut explanation would be very satisfactory unless it was able to be delivered in an organic way, which this story simply didn't have room for. No, we don't. We definitely don't need it in this movie, but I would like a little side piece. Side piece. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to sound that way but 
<laughs> I would like a little a little companion piece. Let's let's call it that. Yeah, I mean, if if Peel could find a way to tell a story that gave us that, but it made sense within the story, then yeah, absolutely. But the nice thing is, I don't think he would do that unless he could tell a story. Yeah, no, it's not it necessary, but it would it would be kind of interesting. I would definitely be interested in that. But at the same time, doesn't ruin it for me. I like the mystery. I like the way it's delivered, and that's enough for me personally. And then there's also the whole thing about Red does her nice villain monologue here and Addie's just sitting there fucking <laughs> listening to it about the day you danced was the basically the dance thing when she when they I guess realized I don't I don't really understand it so Addie ended up dancing on the surface and which caused I guess Red to dance underground and apparently it was Jordan Peele said it was like a duet dance I was not aware of that I do think that the reason and I don't know if you need an explanation on this but I'm going to put it out there for the listener do it nothing do else it. I think the reason that that was the moment where Red became, you know, where Red was recognized by the others as being special, even though up to that point, she would have still been recognized as being different is because they don't have language. But what they do have is gesture. Like they illustrate that very clearly earlier on is that they have gesture as a mode of communication. And dance is would in that context sort of be the ultimate gestural form of communication. And so consequently, her dancing like that was basically the equivalent of her making a rousing political speech, you know? Where'd she get the tutu? Where do they get any of the clothes? Come on, you're asking the wrong questions. (laughs) If you start thinking about that too much, then again, you might as well just write the graphic novel companion piece. (laughs) Now we get into like the little, it's a, it's a nice little, little fight scene, sort of, because Addie tries to attack and Red just dodges everything because she's graceful and she's a dancer. Exactly. And then Addie's just like a fucking animal trying to murder this lady yeah it was uh it's a really interesting scene to watch because red clearly has the upper hand throughout the entire thing and easily has the upper hand like it's not even close after a little bit of back and forth barely any back and forth it's mostly like red going haha come and get me and then addy going wah and then red's going haha you missed they end up in this room with like little with bunk beds and shit and i'm like these people sleep like in beds i really need the inner workings of this place to be explained but i really don't you know what i mean you know how you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i get it so uh they're in this fucking bunk area and just as red is about to attack addy addy fucking stabs her with the fire poker right in the stomach and she and it's basically a lucky shot yeah that's yeah. the interesting thing and th- because up to this point we've seen the whole family in we've seen the whole family interacting with these characters and each of them is able to use skill to outwit the doppelgangers to outwit the tethered however addy isn't and again going back to second watching it's because addy is the tethered yep so she's all clumsy and weird it's like she's a badass and she's she is our sympathetic hero but at the same time like she's not functioning with all the same facilities as red right and then red kind of like slumps down next to one of these beds and then of course addy's right in her face they're kind of like they're, they're they're fucking making out almost at this point what does she say what does red say red says nothing i don't think she starts whistling she whistles itsy oh that's right yeah, she does. She does the whistle, and then it kind of that- looks like Addie might be going in for like a hug, like a like a, a mutual respect thing. But no, she wraps the fucking handcuff chain around Red's throat and chokes her for like a second, and then she's like, you know what, fuck it, and then she breaks her neck. <laughs> 
which you know again comes back to the facilities Addy is functioning with. Yeah, and then basically yeah. brute strength. You get that animalistic scream out of her right after she does it. Yeah, and then she she opens up like a locker, I guess, and then finds Jason, and he is flipping out because of course you know he's very scared. She's very sure. scared. Her adrenaline's pumping at this point, and she like brushes all the hair out of her face so he can see her eyebrows because they don't the, the tethers don't have eyebrows. Yeah, so I guess that <laughs> makes sense. And she and she really is in animalistic mode at that point. And and, you know, again, because of who she is, she is the tethered. So there's every reason for him to suspect that she is the tethered version of his mom. Right. Um, right. And she I like I really like this line. I don't know why, but it kind of it kind of got me. She looks at him and goes, they can't hurt you anymore. They're all dead. She's like, do you understand? And he says, no, he actually says no. He says, uh-uh. <laughs> and then that's the end of it. Because, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't understand shit, man. He just got pulled out of a locker. He's scared out of his brain. But it's OK, because everybody lives happily ever after now. Now, right jason and Addie make it back to the ambulance that uh zora and gabe are all hanging out in i and really want to dig into what the what the symbology of the ambulance is because you mean the symbolism don't be symbolism don't be, thank don't be you. duffy from fucking boondock saints i'm not hanging on to it i i admit <laughs> that i admit where i was wrong yes the symbolism thank you because like you said like it comes up really early in the movie and then the kid is using the ambulance to hold the door open to basically secure his escape route and then they end up escaping in an ambulance in the end so maybe that suggests so, that they're going to be safe i don't know i don't know i would have to uh i'd have to dig into it a little bit more i think i think i might have to rewatch this movie again all right hey jordan peele i know you're listening so why don't you just come and give us the interview that everybody's waiting for huh i mean it's pretty much inevitable at this point isn't tell it? us everything the jordan peele interview <laughs> is right around the corner yes for sharks across stay Hollywood. tuned I, I think you should all hold your breath for that i only noticed it this time but jason took a rabbit with him yes he did my dad I don't know how I missed that fucking last however many I don't recall if I noticed it the first time I may have and just forgotten about it because I, I realized upon this viewing that I had forgotten a lot um, like the, the the feel of the movie stays with me mm-hmm. but the individual details I realized I was actually very fuzzy on we do get one final flashback as they're driving away and this one kind of reveals everything Addie is actually the tethered and what happened to her in the house of mirrors was that she replaced red she basically took her down there and locked her to a bed and went up stairs and took her place in the in the real world of normal people and that's why she couldn't talk it wasn't because she was so traumatized it was because she couldn't grew up in a society (laughs) that didn't have words and then we cut back to the back to the ambulance and then i think that was red kind of or uh, addy just kind of going like oh shit yeah that's 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 the thing and then you can see her just push it away yeah she She looks looks back at jason and he kind of looks at her and she smiles at him and he slowly pulls his chewbacca mask back down over his face i think this is a moment where he's seen through her a little bit and he doesn't know what he's seen but he knows that it isn't what he always thought was there it's a real growing up moment for jason yeah the next movie is him just hunting down tethers it's just or a, him just hunting down people i don't one or the other <laughs> a lawless wasteland so the final shot of the movie is a big helicopter shot just sprawling fucking hills and shit i don't know how long how far we eventually see just a l- huge line of these tethers all holding hands all across America just like Red wanted. Yeah, and that line just stretches and stretches and stretches into the distance and the scale of it is daunting. It's a great final shot because it 
it really tells you that this while this was a small horror movie about a small story about a small group of people it has these vast implications you know yeah and i was thinking like could they do like a a thing where they were talking about doing with cloverfield like tell the tell the story from like a different character's perspective and then i'm like no because that wouldn't even make fucking sense it would just be a bunch of people getting chased by these things that they don't have any connection to see here's the thing i think about this right i think this if you want to talk about something like a franchise if you want to talk about something you know where we could see sequels and further explanation and further delving into the universe the way you would have to go with this is the same route as the purge where the first movie was this small story about a single family and it was very self-contained and it did deal with the social issues and the social implications of the broader story but then that second movie has to get big it has to expand the second story the second movie has to delve into all those questions you were asking about (laughs) who maintained this thing and where they came from and it has to tell a larger story about a larger group of people and it has to it has to get into the origins of this thing i was gonna say it's a prequel it's got to be a prequel if they do it at all i don't even think it necessarily has to be a prequel it could be a parallel story it could be a larger story and it could turn out that red is not unique that red was simply one of many many of these agents that were actually created with the potential to do what they did in creating this hands across america thing the hands across america thing could have been red's idea that spread throughout this underground network of people but red doesn't have to be the only one who is extraordinary quote unquote or who even was you know taken from the real world and in that way it could get into the broader implications of the organization that created these people to begin with coagula there is a theory that it huh, is, it is connected go. to get out a little bit but there you go it could be like it could fi- be like the failed version of that experiment who knows who knows uh but that's the story they would have to tell if they're going to do a sequel yeah. for sure so that's it that's fucking us and as you can see everybody just came home so there's going to be in that last little bit there's going to be some pounding and people walking upstairs well i don't think it's a it's a good episode of sharks across hollywood if it doesn't end with the family coming home and things getting noisy my final thoughts on this are fucking go watch this movie again i don't think you should have listened to this podcast if this is your first experience with it oh no you haven't seen the movie why are you listening to this podcast but hey i don't know what's going on in your head maybe you got issues to deal with and this is the only way you can come that's fine but go watch it again because it's a fucking great movie i love this movie this is a five out of five stars for me i fucking adore it I'll watch it again and again and again. Go watch it. Unless, you know, it's not for you. If it's not for you, that's fine. But don't shit all over it. You know, just move on and find something that is for you. I'll just shit all over you for having shitty tasting movies. <laughs> I'm not going to shit on you if you don't agree with me. I'm I just going to shit on you if you shit on this movie. I'll shit on you, like, literally, though. Oh, I'll literally shit on you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I have to get paid for that. Eh, I'll do it for free. I'm just into no, that sort of shit. It's not a passion for me. It's a profession. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I agree go see this movie it's fucking it's awesome it's scary too it's way scarier than get out like i said unless you're less you're oh. black i imagine <laughs> yeah i mean i i can definitely see how yeah for for black people get out would be hitting home in a lot of ways that it just doesn't for me still a great movie and i love it and it's expertly crafted and totally engaging but this one for me this is the one that really crawls under my skin and grabs me it it definitely gets there so yeah it's awesome go see it oh uh, where should people go if they want to know more about us and they want to see the shit we're up to hey you can go to you can follow us on everything at the shark pod where occasionally we post things 
is. I was going to say that was actually a mislead because you can't see us doing shit on there. <laughs> Sucker. But, you know, send me a message. I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I'll answer it, I think, if you're, unless you're a fucking douchebag. Nah, even if you're a douchebag, I'll fight with you. Come on. Let's yeah, do it. we can argue. There's also, of course, the audibletrial.com slash Sharks Cross Hollywood. You can do, you can, you can, you can do that because we got, you, you like books. You like listening to shit, obviously. I'm reading The Descent right now by De- Jeff Long, but I'm actually, I'm actually reading it with words and not listening to it. And it's taking me a really long time because it's kind of boring. But don't take my word for it. Go listen to it with your free trial on Audible. <laughs> or if you want, you could listen to one of the many, many best horror of the year anthologies that they have on Audible. They have several years worth of best horror of the year anthologies. And I am currently listening to one. And uh, I just listened to a short story called Mulberry Boys that is this sort of deeply fucked up tale about a dystopian society in which there's a subclass of humans that gets horrible, horrible things done to them. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it didn't crawl under my skin as much as us did, but it's a good story and I enjoyed listening to it. And you might too. So head over to audibletrial.com forward slash sharks across Hollywood and heck, find whatever you're interested in and help the show out. Kind of sounds like my house, subhumans getting weird stuff done to them. <laughs> That's me. I'm the subhuman. You said it, not me. <laughs> I'm the subhuman, not them. And we also have a little thing going on Patreon fucking 2021 the 13th where we will be reviewing a friday the 13th movie every month of the year i'm out of brain power but you can do that at patreon.com slash sharks across hollywood come listen to us talk about friday the 13th and eventually there'll be there'll be more there's there, there's more stuff coming it'll be great for a measly like jason yeah it, <laughs> it's going to return for a measly two dollars a month you can listen to us talk about friday the 13th over and over and over again forever <laughs> forever i think that's it i think we're out of things to say <laughs> but we'll be back uh next time with mighty ducks because we're celebrating the release of mighty ducks game changers on disney plus i'm excited you're not but that's okay yeah i was gonna say we're not celebrating the release you're <laughs> celebrating the release and i am going to watch the mighty ducks which i actually do like yeah it's a good movie well <laughs> let me clarify that i did like in the 90s keep an open mind it's really stupid but it's it's got a lot of heart, so that counts. That's what I'm really hoping for, is a lot of heart, because it's going to need it to pull me out of my cynical little mire that I've gotten myself bogged down in lately. Okay, so what you do is you go watch the Mighty Ducks cartoon show first, and then you watch the movie. I'm not fucking doing that. Oh, do it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> no. No fucking way. Well, that's a great show. Classic. Ugh. It won several Emmys. That it, that, that's not true at all. That's a classic for you, because you watched it on Saturday mornings as a kid. That is not a classic. <laughs> for me i do genuinely think you should check it out it's pretty funny <laughs> anyways we'll be back in a couple weeks with the mighty ducks until then stay awesome fuck <laughs> he did it again Stickles! <laughs>